What is up, IDP Army? What's up, fancy football fanatics? It's your man, Jordan Reigns at 50 Shades of Drunk. And I am joined today by an absolute legend of YouTube, one of the most notorious men in the fantasy football industry, a content creator, a savant. Um, I've seen him call himself some places. Uh, what's up, Nick Ercolano? Welcome to the channel. How you doing, brother? What's up, Jordan? I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. Happy to uh, jump on your channel. You've been on mine uh, once or twice. You've been in our content, so I've had the pleasure of you know getting to know you in person up close. Um, you know, you tried to kiss me last time. I'm gonna tell Those you. Those are not our secrets. Those are <laughs> secrets. Okay, that's fair. Okay. We'll keep that under wraps right now. We'll keep the uh, all the good shit uh, out for the public now. Though I'm I'm pumped to dive into some fantasy stuff. Never IDP stuff, but everything else. Yeah, never IDP, this guy says. Get him out, get him out of here. No, we're going to be talking about some fantasy football tips, tricks, advice, secrets, not the secrets that Nick and I shared during our two, three-day rendezvous in New York City. I will say it was magical for me. Nick's never called me back, so, what? I mean, I guess it's just another night in New York City, right? Don't Yeah, don't worry. You won't, you won't be the first one for that. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, y'all. Well, you know the housekeeping. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you are listening to this on the podcast feed. If you're listening on the channel, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe here as well. We appreciate that. All the links are in the bios and all that shit. You know that. Um, but yeah, like I said, today we're going to be talking some like from an expert's point of view. I consider us pretty good at fantasy football. We've both been in the industry for a while. We've both been playing for a while. Um, so I thought we'd kind of attack this show from like a just guys kind of like talking fantasy football, you know, kind of just, uh, you know, explain like I'm five kind of way. You know, how do you when when you aren't doing this, how do you just kind of look at fantasy football and say, all right, how am I going to win this league this year? So I have a couple of uh, spots for us to look at some anecdotal advice, some contrarian advice. We're going to share some horror stories of some mistakes we've made. Um, we're going to pull all that up on the screen. But. Nick, what have you been working on lately? I know you're dropping big content stuff with Jack. Tell the people a little bit about that before we kind of go into the full fantasy mode. Yeah, man, I'm I'm trying to keep it simple right now from where I'm at work-wise. And, you know, there are uh, a, a couple things that I'm very passionate about in my life. And it, it kind of boils down to running my business and content creation in general, which are kind of overlapping in the same thing at that point. So uh, content creation for me, a lot of the time, happens to be fantasy football stuff so right now i'm very very focused on strictly making fantasy football content and then making sure that bdge the business is running smoothly and thirdly making content about making content because at the end of the day i'm very passionate about teaching people and helping people become better content creators whether that's uh more understanding it from a mental standpoint or you know the physical tools camera lighting all that kind of stuff um, so yeah, me and me and Jack Settlement, a friend of mine, do a show every week. The episode for this week actually just went live about an hour ago. Uh, we sit down and just kind of chop it up over what we think are like new trends happening in social media, anything that happened um, on a big scale that we think would relate back to smaller content creators, anything that's happening in our business that we think would help content creators um, in their journey of, of growing or trying to make it a full-time endeavor, uh, whatever the case may be. So yeah, realistically, I'm trying to get a little bit more routine. Um, the last year has been a lot of, uh, you know, let's grow and let's scale and let's fucking chaos throw the fireworks. Yeah, throw the fireworks out there. Where sometimes all you got to do is hit the light switch and and things will be okay. So right now we're we're trying to keep it simple. Great content every single day that will play itself out. You know that'll that'll end up making a great con uh, piece of um, that'll end up making a great brand, a great company, and we'll take care of it. 
Yeah. Bingo. Keep the main thing, the main thing. What got you here? Why do 90,000 people follow you on YouTube? It's not because your life's that interesting. You know what I'm saying? It's because you're, you know, halfway decent at fantasy <laughs> football, supposedly. Um, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just giving you a little hell there. I, um, yeah, I mean, I view us as kind of an interesting sort of enigmas in the fantasy community in a lot of ways because we've kind of been doing it for a long time. Um, that's different than a lot of people you may see front facing right now. And we've been doing it independently for a long time. Um, we've taken different routes. You took the more kind of scattershot, um, or I would say scattershot, more umbrella approach, fantasy football overall, whereas I went with the whole niche down situation, you know, the Gary V pound the table, you know, find your niche, make a thousand pieces of content. And I went ham at that. So we've both kind of come up through those trenches. Me, you know, also being a father, getting married. We both had COVID, your business taking off. So it's been a fun journey. We didn't cross each other's paths really until last summer. Um, but uh, I would say, you know, I knew who you were and you're somebody that now that I've gotten to know you, I've watched a lot of your content. I've met you in real life. I know you love fancy football. And for me, when it comes right down to it, like that is, that's what I love. I love people who love fancy football. I love people that really are giving back. Um, and your content and your consistency, uh, something that I think a lot of people take a lot of value from, you know, that's pretty obvious. So thank you for joining us. I'll stop showering you with compliments now because I now I got to start talking shit because uh, that's what we really do around here. All right. Uh, you know, to win. That psychological warfare button is in there as well. But um, any final notes before we transition over to the fantasy football of it all, as we like to say? Nah, man, let's rip. Let's get to it. All right, so oh, this wait, actually, sorry. I wanted to address one comment I saw come in from Kelsey. She said this is the same outfit I was wearing in the video that went live today. Not true. This is a different hat. You can't. I don't think you could tell because I was wearing it backwards. Different hat. I do own like five of this exact shirt. <clears throat> I like this shirt, so why not fucking? When something's good, we double down. We triple down. You find your strengths. I like the green shirt. I've got like five of them. All right. Oh, the fact that you felt they to bring it up makes it not sus. Maybe it is the same. Or maybe, shirt. yeah, or maybe I've been wearing this for five straight days. Either way. Either way. <laughs> the truth is that you've been sleeping at the office, right? You're a founder. You're working a startup. You know, you got you know, you got sell it, sell it, sell it, Nick. I should have went down this, that path. How many more hours are you putting in after this? Tell the people what you told me. <laughs> I'm going to fucking bed after this. I, <laughs> ah, I'm, I'm running on like four hours of sleep right now. I feel horrible, but I'm ready to roll. All right. I, feel great hey, again, I appreciate you coming in on a Monday. Got to case you to Mondays, yay. All right. All right. That's enough, Jack. Talk. That, Let's yeah. talk about some fantasy football stuff. One thing that came in before we even get into it, you know, I saw Lamar Jackson. We both know this is a weird situation. This is the team that um, Jack likes, right? The Falcons. What do you think about this whole Lamar Jackson situation? Just no, no, no. He, he likes the Ravens. I'm Falcons. Okay, okay, sorry. Ravens is what I meant. Birds, you know, a couple of birds. Both, I'm a Chief, two, you know. We, we just two great birds, franchises. You know what I'm saying, yeah, just two great, consistently fantastic franchises. Incredible I can understand. Kids. I can understand why you got them confused. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, I feel like, is this news? I, I mean, he asked for the trade i know it is news it's like blowing up on twitter right now but i kind of feel like this was always the sentiment he wanted the long-term uh, he wanted the long-term extension otherwise he was you know getting out of there just another reason why the super bowl probably goes through atlanta this year maybe we wrap him up i think it's gonna be really really fun to see 
how this plays out and if it happens pre-draft or post-draft because you know at, at this point everyone knows it's it's been at nauseum fucking hammered into our heads that you know first two uh two first round picks whatever this year next year if you want lamar jackson if you want to get traded for him you can wait until after that eliminates a lot of teams because a lot of teams just don't have their first round pick this year if they wait till after the nfl draft which is I, I don't know i feel like a lot of teams want to go into a draft knowing what their personnel is knowing what pieces are going to fit with what quarterbacks they have and yeah. like the schemes and everything like that so i feel like the likelihood of him playing on a different team post NFL draft, if he's not traded beforehand, is a little bit slimmer. Um, Lamar Jackson, I, dude, I don't know. I just feel like he's probably going to end up back in Baltimore. Like, I just does he have any, does he doesn't have any control? He's just going to sit out. Like, I don't think he wants to sit out in his. Prime. My thing is, he obviously doesn't want to be there. Yeah, and he's kind of fumbled the bag on handling the situation because I think if he would have gone through the original sort of channels everybody else does, this wouldn't necessarily be a thing. But it is a thing, and. It's getting late in the offseason, you know, in, in the free agency area. Like, you know, maybe the interest isn't there like you wanted. So it is Monday, though. You know, start the news cycle early. We'll see. Don't want to spend too much time on that. Just wanted to, you know, get that, you know, that, that love. I wish he had out. a I wish he had an agent, though, dude. Like, not because he could have figured out the deal quickly, but this is what happens. It's it's like when you don't have an agent, these agents are masters in understanding how to like manipulate the public and their mindset. Whereas like these NFL teams like the Baltimore Ravens understand how to paint Lamar Jackson in a bad light or in one that like makes it seem that he, you know, he's worthless, et cetera, like that. Yeah. Like you need these pieces. You need PR. Right. For more than just like, okay, I will under, I can get your contract up from 120 million, to 130. It's like, nah, there's a lot more that goes into it. And that's why I'm like, I get yep. it. I get it. But uh, I don't know. Tough, tough. Somebody right who's, you have that somebody who's also invested in your success, who is going to yeah. call you, text you, do not go to these with these people to Vegas. Do yeah. not text this person back. These are what you do. Somebody that helps you, you know what I mean? And we all need to admit, you know, when we are at our, our limits. So anyway, enough about Lamar Jackson. For me, um, you know, until something happens, it's just another talking point. You had Mason on your channel last week. You got all dressed up uh, to be on his show. You're wearing a five-day-old shirt on my show. I love it. Um, so what's up with uh, – he, he well, I, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. I, I – uh, the last two mock drafts I've done, one with Mason, I tried to match his outfit, and then I did one with Nate Liss that went live today. We had the same outfit on. So I try to match my my co-host's energy, you know? So five days old shirt, I figured you were probably wearing something fucking seven days old. So we're trying to, you know, yeah. be on par. Trying to be consistent. Hey. hey, these are nice threads, okay? I almost put on a fun hat. I figured you would come in with your, you know, woolly hat on. I figured we'd have a fun hat show. But I was like, no, it's, it's too warm out here in I'm New York, serious. man. I think, I think the woolly mammoth hat has to be retired. Um, yeah. Oh, All right, well, well, Mason said the best buys in fantasy football are great wide receivers going into year two. I don't care if you overpay to get them. Now, we're going to come back to that point because in one of the tips and tricks or things and anecdotal advice that I have, we're going to talk about overpaying, underpaying for players. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London. I agree that they are buys. I don't agree that you should overpay personally. Um, and of those three, I like Wilson and London and Olave last. What are, what are your thoughts and or comments on that before we jump into what we got? Yeah, I mean, the problem with blanket statements like this is just like nobody. If you're in any sort of league that's even relatively sharp, which I don't think either of us would really play in a league where just like no one pays attention to anything. It's just like you don't really get discounts on these players. So it's like, oh, 
like these are the best buys it's like yeah but everyone knows that like garrett wilson had just had a monster year like offensive rookie of the year type beat over there and now he's probably getting aaron Rodgers. like it's not a secret to anyone so it's like yeah of course i'd like garrett wilson on my team but does it come at the expense of i mean you look at like the top tier dudes right you look at tyree kill and justin jefferson and jamar chase and stefan diggs and it's like am i ready if you're overpaying for Garrett Wilson, you're paying for that price. You're paying for dudes that are going at like the 203, 204 and redraft probably. And at that price, you're going to be able to get some of those other top wide receivers that have already shown you the ceiling that you're hoping to see with Garrett Wilson. So it's like, listen, if this is just dynasty and you're in a startup draft and you want to take Garrett Wilson at like the fucking 112, 202, be my guest. But in redraft, I don't think moves like that make sense. I, I think it goes back to the overall like thing the way I think about fantasy at this point is there's not really a lot of secrets anymore. And if you like a player, you have to pay for their ceiling. There's no real, like, I don't think there's that many real, like buy low candidates unless they're, it's really unforeseeable that they're like really going to shit. And you're like, I believe in this dude when nobody else does, but Gary Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London, like, sure. They just had monster rookie years. Of course, everyone wants them on their team. Of course, like we know that you get better mm -hmm. from rookie year to sophomore year. So it's like, uh, I don't I don't know if I agree with the blanket statement just because it's very like obviously, you know? Yeah, I agree with the statement. They are good buys, but I do not agree to overpay. And let's just go ahead and jump in. Let me rearrange our screen real quick here. Actually, this will jump, uh, this will actually segue perfectly into what we have next. Um let's talk a little bit of strategy. <laughs> All right, so we're going to try out this new setup for the screen real quick. Oh, we're going to try this one out. I got a better one. Bingo. So anecdotal tips, tricks, and advice. That's what we're, we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, and I have on here, let me see if I can zoom in just a little bit. I have on here win every trade. Um, you know, make sure that you don't hurt your team. That's something I put in here. I feel like overpaying for players, you're the one taking on the risk when you overpay. Because what happens, and I see this a lot on Twitter where I'll see trades and I don't, I'm fine trading picks because I think picks are pretty if, but when I see somebody send three startable assets for one in return, that can become a nightmare scenario so fast if that guy rolls an ankle. Now you're out four starters, not three, not one. You're out four starters because of that trade. What kind of people are on your team? after a trade like that and an injury like that. So I think that's very, very dangerous to go overpay to get a name early. So um, when I say win every trade, you know, I don't care what other people say, you just says it up there. I think it's important to wait for, and I wrote this on there, by moments. Certain players are come in and out of style. Certain things go in and out of fashion. This is, if, if people like Mace who have a large following are saying this is a by moment, that means most of the people who follow him are gonna believe that, right? So to me, it's the opposite. It's a sell moment. So, but but I don't look at it like that because I don't have a lot of those guys on my teams anyway. I don't really draft rookies. I look at it as who are they not talking about? DK Metcalf is suddenly quietly being moved out of the conversation with the consistency he's going to get with Geno here as another season comes through. Debo Samuel is, you know, because of the narrative around Trey Lance, he's getting faded. So I look for what I call buy moments on players who may have at one point been very highly valued. And not much has changed except for how we feel about other players and they've moved down. Yeah, but so I think 
I think um, I think you're definitely looking at it the right way. I I'm not someone who feels like they need to win every trade. I, I typically try to approach like dynasty trades at least as like a two sided trade because more often than not, I mean like the way people start dynasty trades, like the first offer is always just horrendous, and then it's almost like it's less likely that I send back an offer that's closer to like what we should be. It's less likely I do that than just be like, fuck you. I don't feel like I'm not negotiating with you if you're just going to send me some bullshit like this. I don't really go down that route. But I think there's a difference between like buy moments and just the way a lot of the industry operates. It's it's like it, it's it makes me nauseous because like everyone wants to say, oh, this is a buy low moment every time someone makes a move. It's like you can look at the entire trajectory of a career like Debo Samuel as a buy low makes sense right now, given like there are big picture things at work. But every time someone has like a good game or a bad game, it turns into this like buy now. It's like, dude, no one's I don't think people are selling Debo off of one game last year or like one bad statistical purpose. Like that shit kind of drives me crazy. So when I look at trades in that sense, I think I would much rather try to project out the career of a player and go off buy now moments or, or buy low or, or sell high type moments in that sense. Like if if uh, I'm not saying anyone needs to like or dislike DeAndre Swift. But he would be a buy low candidate right now. If you believe Dang, in the talent, yeah. not because yeah. like in the first week of last year, he went 12 for 34 and didn't score a touchdown. Oh, buy low moments. Like, no, no one's fucking selling no. DeAndre Swift. But you go a whole season, they bring in David yeah. Montgomery. The coaching staff says they don't really like him. Now's the time that you just got a first round rookie, like top yeah. five pick who's still playing at a very high level for a much cheaper price. So like, that's where I try to look at it. Uh, and, and a lot of the times people still like even when they're trading away players that they don't like anymore, they'll still only sell them to you at what their ceiling could be in two years from now, which is why it can be tough to trade dynasty players in general. But I like your what you said before was like giving away picks is usually the way to go. Giving away picks for proven players or players that you want to buy low, because if people are only going to sell you DeAndre Swift at what his ceiling might be in two years, that's not fair value player for player. But people also value picks at their ceiling for no fucking reason. So then yep. it kind of cancels out the, the airwaves there. Then it's like, yep. all right, we're selling like we're buying a player that's unnaturally high right now for no reason. But we're also selling a pick that's being valued unnaturally high right now. So they kind of cancel them out. And that's, I feel like, the best way to kind of approach trades like that in Dynasty. No, 100% agree with you. I think we're we're definitely saying the same thing, maybe in different kinds of ways. Where mm -hmm. when I said a buy moment, it's that when the when they say that moment is happening, that's not what's happening. It's six months down the road when it's not part right. of the conversation, like you said. That's why I said DK and Debo because two years ago or even a year ago, those were guys who were top three, top five dynasty wide receivers who are suddenly kind of in that. People might look at them, stupid people, we might look at them and say, oh, you know, you could maybe send Michael Pittman and something else and think and they, they could convince themselves that that's fair. And it's not even close because the narrative has pushed them down. So, um, yeah, and I, I, that's why, again, like you said, I don't have Drake London, Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson on a single dynasty team because I never, ever, ever have a first round pick. I always trade it away. Or a player at some point in time, and even second round picks, I wait. I keep getting offers, and the longer you wait, the more offers keep rolling in as you get closer. Um, next anecdotal piece of advice I had on here was depth massively overrated. What are your thoughts on depth? I find that it, you know, for me, it really is just about who you can start. You know, having a great team you can flex. You know, having a great bench doesn't do a lot for you, and sometimes it can even hamper your decision making ability because you again might be put into a situation where you feel like you should play this player and that player. And in reality, if you were just had the nuts to package them away and upgrade, 
you don't have problems like that anymore. You know what I mean? And it's set and forget is the ideal, right? So, you know, I, I, that's something I have a little bit of a anecdotal thought process about. I want to have locked and loaded beast mode starters. Um, what are your thoughts on that? No, I think that's really good. That's something I feel like I've kind of picked up on over the last few years as I try to like continue to improve as a fantasy player, of course. Depth, I think, is absolutely massively overrated because the thing with depth is like if you have depth, uh, you're using it in an unlucky or unfortunate situation. And like in order to win your league, you're going to have to be lucky to begin with. So it's kind of like counter forces. You're kind of in order to win, like you have to have almost everything break right to begin with. And if that falls into that category, it won't really matter whether or not like you have depth, like you just need your players to play really, really well. And I get it. Of course, it's good, mm -hmm. uh, good reason to have depth and good reason to have good players behind it in case something does go wrong because injuries happen, etc. But having like a sh strong starting lineup, absolutely like it, it goes beast mode over any sort of depth that another team could have. So I'm, I'm very much I'm very much with you on that. I think that's big in redraft leagues where it's like, oh, I want to have two players. It's like redraft even less so, man. Like you really don't need to have depth, especially towards the end mm -hmm. of the season, like right before the trade deadline. Boom. If you got two or three good players on the bench, package them up, get the best player you possibly can because you got two or three games in the playoffs. You need your team at full strength, the best players possible out there. Um, I'm very, very much in on this with you there. I, I, depth is very overrated. Yeah, and that plays into that next bullet right next to it, which is get your guys. Arbitrage is a luxury. Not everybody is like Nick and I who can just – do 5,000 drafts in the offseason, who can max draft, you know, if they do best ball, you might not have that, that option. So to hear people tell you to, you know, get ver varieties of teams and make, you know, have, um, what's the right word, uh, um, diversify. I'm not about that if you don't have a lot, you know, that's a luxury. Mm -hmm. Arbitrage to go maybe different builds, that's a luxury. If you believe in a player, you think he's going to be good, you need to build as many teams as you can around that player, especially if you have a limited sort of output. Again, that's my thought process and why I kind of do this is I'm not really interested in like being just okay every year at fantasy football. I'm fine, you know, doing, you know, an injury taking a whole season away. If I hit my guy and the season hits right and he's on 60, 70, 80% of your teams, that's a much bigger payout. And again, it comes to that risk reward Kind of like bench, you know, you're, you're, you're playing that game where, well, maybe things won't work out, but you're taking away from what's happening right now where you need those points to win this week. So get your guys. Arbitrage is a luxury. Um, what are your thoughts on get your guys? You know, uh, I'm not I'm not as yeah, I'm not as strongly uh, in line with that only because probably I play uh, a relatively high volume, but I guess I've been kind of subtracting leagues and I do if I'm at a high volume of leagues, I'm definitely trying to diversify a little bit only from the standpoint of like understanding like, yeah, you could be awesome at fantasy football and maybe you're great at player analysis, but most people at the end of the day, realistically aren't. And even if you are great, like you're not 85% right. Great. You're probably like 60% right. If you're comparing two guys ADP next to each other, you're going to be right about that. If you're really good, I don't know, 58% of the time, some shit like that, right? It's just gambling basically at that point. So with the way I think about it, it's like, yeah, I've been, I mean, being in this industry, you get humbled very fucking quickly, right? Like you love a player. He does shit. You look like an idiot and vice versa. But I understand that that happens to everyone and will continue happening to everyone. So like if I have fucking three fantasy leagues and I'm like, yeah, my guy, I was able to get in the second round of the first two, the third draft comes around and I'm like this one or this other guy, I'll, I'll usually diversify in, the, in, in, um, in an example like that. So I'm, I'm very much about diversifying. A lot of it's because I, 
I'm just like not that uh I don't take the game like that seriously. So I'm like, okay, if I'm if I'm wrong, whatever, cool. Like at least I got this other guy that's like carrying this team if I was wrong about yeah. him. You know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of yeah. the way I look at it. No, and I understand too. It, it, whenever the, and I, that comes back to why we play fantasy, it gives us different players to watch, you know. And you're right, like you know, I say that you know flippantly, but that does pigeonhole me into like I have to watch every Buffalo Bills game because I have Devin Singletary. I have to watch mm-hmm. every Raiders game. Ugh, I don't like the Raiders. Yeah. But now I care, you know. And it's smart, like you said, to if we're playing fantasy football to enhance our already you know consumption of NFL media products. It does make sense to drop your little, you know, minions onto little teams everywhere. So that is another, but that can flow flow back in to get your guys again. Like, mm-hmm. don't pass on a guy that that's a chief because somebody told you he's not going to be good this year in fantasy. If you want to watch the Chiefs play, so I felt like that that's kind of a double edged sword. Take your guys that you believe in, but also take your guys that you like fuck heavy with that you want to watch play football because. That's going to help your your experience, you know. That's going to, I mean, even interacting with guys on Twitter and stuff like that. Just just being real fans, you know, showing support, being like, all right, I like this guy. I'm going to put him on my fantasy teams. I got guys like that that I met at the Senior Bowl uh, a few years ago. Put them on some, you know, IDP teams on some taxi squads. A couple of them have played. A couple of them haven't. You know, deeper cut guys. But just like I told them, I'm like, you know, there's people out here who are going to be, you know, watching you specifically. You know, mm-hmm. you might not be getting a lot of attention right here, but there's a hand, you know, where, where we're cheering for you, my guy. So. That is uh, that comes back to the get your guys thing too because again it's you know not to get all emotional but you know the football is family kind of thing it really is you know I mean football is a is is a lot bigger than just football you know I mean guys like me and you know each other we're talking about football you know so there's a lot of yeah. things that go into it it's not just an entertainment product it's an emotional product um, you know so get your guys show your guys some love um, you know even if the Falcons fucking suck I know you're gonna draft a couple Falcons you know what I'm saying like. And you know, look at you shake your head like the Falcons won't suck. Why would – all right, if we have Lamar Jackson throwing the ball to B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, I don't understand what the problem is. Uh, the problem is we'll have to see. I don't know. I mean, it sounds good, but, I mean, we, we do this every year. There's a lot of things that sound good. Let's ride. Sounded all right. <laughs> yeah. Theoretically. you know, Sounded all right like, to me. I was all in. Exactly, and it's easy to get swept up in that stuff. So take a step back. Oh yeah, Ooh. don't look at me. I'm ugly. Um, all right, y'all. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and scan that. That's another way for you to find the, the podcast. Um, all right, let's go ahead. Where are my notes notes at? Okay, I need, I need to delete these real quick, and I'll, that'll pull up our next talking points. Bada boom, bada bing. All right, so let's talk about some mistakes we've made playing fantasy football. Um, I have a couple of stories in here. Just should be a quick totally, segment. Huh? Should be a quick segment. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any no notes from you, right? Uh, I got a couple of books, a couple of indexes, appendices over here. I'm still you working got a, you on got a whole ass bibliography. I love it. <laughs> That's just from 2022, too. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're still, I'm like GRR Martin out here writing my fancy football mistakes. There's so many. Uh, but the worst ones, literally, if you're watching on YouTube, look what the note says. It's so awful. I'm not going to actually write it down because I don't want people to see it with their eyes. I want it on the record. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, I want there to, you know, be some gray area, you know, that's never written. You know, it's an oral tradition, this terrible move I did. I'll make it quick. 
We had a startup we did about three years ago. Um, it was Justin Jefferson's rookie season. As you know, we Dynasty geniuses had pushed him down into the second round of Superflex, as we are wont to do. And dumbass like me, who again, like I said, never has a first round pick, I just drafted Justin Jefferson off my second round pick. Just like, oh, you know, people aren't really into him, but there he is, so I picked him. Um, and then I got real smart. I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get real clever out here. I'm gonna convince this guy to trade me Miles Garrett for Justin Jefferson before he plays a snap of football, before he even hits the field, and I'm gonna get one over on this guy. And the rest is history because Justin Jefferson is literally God Almighty on the football field. And Miles Garrett is just, I mean, he's got a lot of name value, but for fantasy football, he ain't, he ain't no Justin Jefferson. That's for damn sure. So is he not, is he not good in IDP? He's good, but I mean, Justin Jefferson is one of those guys where it's like, holy fucking grail shit. And I had him as a rookie and got him a second round pick. And I traded him that summer for an okay, you know, defensive lineman. Nightmare shit. Nightmare fuel. All right. I hate to fucking see it. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, did you even have a bet? Oh, look, too many to choose from for you again. Oh, hilarious. That's yeah. Black those, and white, too. My, well, you know how that's not, you know how I know it's not me? because my entire internet footprint is lowercase. I write in uppercase letters. Like in, in real life, everything I write is uppercase and everything on the internet is lowercase. Okay, Cam Newton, calm down. <laughs> um, no, I was actually gonna bring up because in one of the drop downs, I know it said like, uh, bring up your one of your best dynasty teams and we're gonna go through and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I was gonna circle back to that with the worst trade. I don't know if it's the worst trade I've ever made. I'm sure I've made horrific ones outside of this. But in this league last year, um, I had both the 103 and the 104 going into the draft. And it was like Brees Hall. Um, I don't remember who went number two, but at 103, I took Drake London. And at 104, Garrett Wilson was available. And I had the 104. But prior to the draft, I traded the 104 for the um, for like the 111 or 112. And at that time, like that's an entire tier. That, that, that was a big tier drop. Yeah, that's a big job. last year's rookie class, right? It was big. Um, I I got like the 111 Davis Mills and like a late third round pick or something. And I needed a quarterback. So I was like, Davis Mills played pretty well as a rookie. If you remember the sentiment around, like, yeah. I didn't know if he was going to be good at all, but I was like, I'd rather kind of have like a coin flip who's already a starter at quarterback, move back a few spots in the rookie draft, whatever. Um, yeah, that shit didn't work out. And then I'm I'm pretty sure I traded that 111 middle of draft for like the 2-4 and the 2-6, which I think is like fine, honestly. But I ended up picking, I think, like Isaiah Spiller and James Cook, possibly, or Rashad White. So it was just like a mix, a mix of just horrible play after horrible play. The 104 um, actually turned into Traylon Burks instead of Garrett Wilson. So whoever's at 105 got Garrett Wilson. But I could have had Garrett Wilson instead of Davis Mills, fucking Isaiah Spiller, and whoever I took at the end of the third round. Uh, so all in all, I was like, yeah, I'm getting smart here. Give me as many dart throws as you want. But when you have early, like you might trade them for great players, which I, again, I think is a really good idea because really early rookie picks get really overvalued. But if you keep them, that top tier of rookie picks is the game-changing type players. Those mm -hmm. are where you get the Garrett Wilsons. Those are where you get your starting quarterbacks for the next seven years. So it's like uh, moving down that tier is a mistake I will never make again. Like in this year's draft, I think there's a tier of five, six-ish players, seven-ish players, depending on how the draft ends up, that I would never trade down from like the 103 to the 109 um, because the value in that tier of like yeah. 109 to fucking 207 is all the same player to me.
Yep. Love that. Circle it back around. And like you said, as another reason I trade my picks away because a first round pick, I play to win every single season. I should have put that up there, but I talk about it so much. I don't, I mean, I, 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 I literally, there is no world where I have a, you know, a high end pick really, because I'm always finishing like six, you know, six, five, four, three, you know, I'm trying to get there every single year. Never won so though. First round picks Never I won. usually have are like you said, one and stuff like that, maybe where I'm not really into it. And that's a massive teardrop. You named off what four or five players that you got there in that draft, none of whom really panned out to be anything. And Traylon Burks, all landmines. The only one who was actually going to hit was the guy you were looking at, which again, like that's one dude out of how many? Yeah. Um, it's scary to do rookie drafts. Let other people do the rookie drafts, swing back in a year or two later when they roll an ankle, when people are mad and their teams are losing and they've constructed a shitty team know your people know how to attack you know um and like yeah, you said yeah. i'm thinking right drop. now i'm in a league where i need uh, a qb2 pretty badly and i have the 105 and i'm like i'm not gonna get in this draft class it's gonna go Bijan, it's gonna go cj stroud it's gonna go bryce young and then likely anthony richardson i'm sitting there at the five and i'm like yeah, i could take will levis I, he might drop in the draft i don't know I, I think i'd rather probably someone offered me i think uh trey lance for the 105 and maybe like a late second and that doesn't really entice me either like i don't want that but i think i'll probably try to move that i'll package that pick with something else to try to get a qb or something yeah i would say let somebody else maybe even wait if it's a long draft wait to see who's there because you never know sometimes these fools yeah, are doing really shit. Uh, and guys don't just draft that's the thing too we get stuck in this bubble where it's like we think we know what's gonna happen then you get in your league and people are like I don't give a F about how good this guy is or how good whack-a-mole over at website number 99 says he is. Yeah. I need a running back on this team right now. And there's a two or three here. That's what I'm taking. So fully to you, you know what I mean? We yeah. get, you know, and that, that's the reality of it all. So again, I, I would be, don't, again, don't ever lose a trade. Don't take Trey Lance for that 105. Make sure you get somewhere that's going to do something for you. You know what I'm saying? So, and you know that. Um, you're smart enough to do that. Um, okay, let's move on to terrible drafts. I have two really, really terrible draft stories um, from my third, second and third year playing fantasy. Okay, so I'll tell them both really quickly. So 2016, I went zero RB because that was like the thing. Like that was it. You know, it was only the ballers talking and they said zero RB. So I went zero RB. And in like the sixth round, I got like Jeremy Hill. And like the, the sixth or seventh round, I got Melvin Gordon. Okay. The theory was get one of these guys and they'll be an RB1. Melvin was coming off the year. He had no touchdowns. It was his second year. People were like, hey, he sucks, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. He went off that year and was like, I think he was RB3 at the end of the year. Uh, he was like a god. Here's where the, the problem is, okay? He was on my team for the week leading up to the first start of the week, uh, the first kickoff of the games or whatever. And then um, um, Tony Romo rolled or hurt himself. And the guy who drafted Des Bryant, when they heard Dak was coming in, dropped Des Bryant, who was drafted as like the, in the second round. So I was sitting there like, okay, I got to I got to drop. And he's an idiot. I mean, again, he won the fucking league. I don't even want to talk about it, okay? Um, so he drops Des Bryant. So I'm like, shit, I can drop one of these mid-round running backs because that's smart. And I'll go get a second-round wide receiver. So, I'm, so do I drop Jeremy Hill or do I drop Melvin Gordon? Uh, I drop Melvin Gordon. The same motherfucker picked up Melvin Gordon. I picked up Des Bryant. Des Bryant ended up being like a wide receiver 18 that year. Melvin Gordon running back three, nightmare fuel. 
And the next year after that, I picked, I, I drafted DeAndre Hopkins that season as well. The next season was the Brock Osweiler year, and I passed on him in the sixth, and he was like wide receiver one. Bro, those are bro. the two worst drafts I've ever experienced in in my life. It's like when your season starts and you have so many good things going, and just one thing can fuck it up. So just wanted so, to share that. Um, I think uh, I have like almost similar stories to those exact years and like the storyline in my i'm not sure i can't really confirm i'm sure in like my videos it has all of it but the storyline is making sense in my head because me and my friends have this league called the e-town get down that we've had since high school and it's mm -hmm. like our 15th year in it and uh each year we do like a pretty intense punishment for the loser of it and in that year that was like every no one wanted to touch running backs i remember i went super heavy on wide receivers i think my first like four or five picks were wide receivers off the rip I ended up losing the league one year and I don't know if it was that year or if it was like a couple of years prior to that, but I remember having to do stand up comedy as the punishment here in New York city. I had to go up on stage on an open mic night and the dudes in the league wrote the jokes for it. And I remember, I don't remember, maybe it was the next year. I think I had like a top two pick and I remember going, um, I passed on Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley had those two massive years. Yeah. And I think I took David Johnson at like the two and Todd Gurley went to the three spot. And that was the year I think David Johnson just like fell off or got hurt. And Todd yeah, Gurley hurt. continued to get like 2000 yards from scrimmage, 25 <laughs> touchdowns or whatever. Whoever drafted him was the, kid, the dude right behind me. And then I'm like, obviously easy pick. I think like there was like, it was like Lev Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley in that order right there. I went David Johnson. I tried to get cute. I was like, give me the upside play. Not the guy who just went for fucking 2,000 yards from scrimmage and 25 touchdowns behind an elite offensive line and a great offense. Yeah, I was like, oh, I like David Johnson fucking in highlights. He looks better. He has a better Madden yeah. fucking speed. It was like David some Johnson. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, yeah, so that was, that was man. That get was you every time. disgusting so i got rocked in that year i didn't i think it last place that year um but it was not a good uh not a good back-to-back -back year for me uh, as it wasn't for you either you know what and that's the thing though i learned from that shit and i was like i could win these motherfucking leagues i was like i had melvin on my team i was like i did all the right stuff and i was like and i trusted myself and when i fucked up when i started listening to these other people out here and that's when i was like all right maybe i should start doing this myself uh next story waiver wire this will be a quick one but uh, I think it was one of those exact same years. I think it was the year I dropped Melvin. I was desperately looking for running back help on the waiver wire. I picked up uh, Jordan Howard and um, Andy from the Ballers. I'll never forget this. He went on his bye week and was like week seven or something. And he's like, yeah, he's probably not going to be a running back one, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was like, well, Andy from the Ballers said to drop him and to pick up, you know, Tevin Coleman or somebody. Oh, I guess I should do that. And I did that. And then somebody else picked up Jordan Howard and he ended up going to the championship and now, and, and this is another nightmare story um, that I have to share because it happens to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you learn from those things. That, you know that's like the thing. It's just that's why I can never take fantasy so seriously is because I've made myself look so stupid so many times that the minute I'm like, I'm actually better than you. I know more than you. It's just like you could just pull up the receipts and it's game over. And then I sound like a fool and I don't want to come on I, when I'm talking about like content when i'm talking about fantasy whatever it is i'm talking about it from like a documentation standpoint not like this is correct or this is incorrect you're stupid and i'm right it's like this is what i've learned this is what i do this is where i went wrong you know what i mean and therefore i think the right way is to do this because when i did it the other way it was wrong and it's just like you don't gotta take yourself that fucking seriously when you're doing it because you've you fucked up so many times already
Yep, you that the way you can say that. Another way I have this written down. I wrote it down. You know, I think of a, when I do fantasy content, I'm teaching people how to think or how I think. I'm not teaching them what to think. I'm not saying this is right. I'm saying I think DeAndre Swift is finally for the first time in his career worth trying to look into in Dynasty. This is why. Just like I've explained why oh, I've been on out board. You're on board with that. This point. It's not that that's right or wrong. It's just that's how I, that's what I see, and this is how I think about it. That's how I feel like what I do. Like you said, because I don't know what's going to happen, but I know from experience how I'm viewing it. I'm not going to say do or don't do this. Again, do your thing. Get your guys. You have just as much chance of being right as I do, but this is how I see it. You know what I'm saying? So I feel yeah. like we're definitely feeling each other there. Um all right, next bit is going to be a little bit of fun. Uh, we're going to talk about some contrarian fantasy football advice, fantasy football tips, tricks, and advice we have. Um, and we're going to let Nick get out of here and go to bed uh, here in a little bit. <laughs> but let's talk about some contrarian stuff. I, I find often, you know, again, if you have people with large followings, we're all consuming a lot of the same stuff. Or maybe we aren't, but a lot of your competitors are. There's 11 people in your league that aren't you seven of them listen to the ballers that means all their advice all their moves all their thought processes will lean towards that so that'll be the consensus that means they're all going to try to be doing the same things which is literally impossible there's only x number of players to to have you know so you have to start thinking outside the box by default in my opinion as a contrarian thinker in fantasy if you really want to go the extra mile and get there um Something that's kind of, I don't know if it's contrary or not, but I've been saying for like maybe a year and a half too, is just that like late round quarterbacks kind of dead. It's kind of like the haves and the have nots. It's, you know, you, you, you really, it, it matters because it's not like there's one or two of these guys that give you an edge anymore. There's three or four teams that if they get one of these guys, they're kind of, they're kind of that tier up in your league by default. So I think that late round quarterback is kind of like a, an antiquated concept. And I've kind of been playing like that for a while. Um, I want the guys that they think might be good quarterback ones as my quarterback twos. You know what I mean? I want two ones. Um, any any thoughts on that or any any dots before we move to that next one? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think this is actually going to be like a super consensus take by the end of uh, actually probably by like the beginning of the summer. I think in one quarterback leagues, I think in one QB leagues, we're going to see like five QBs go in the top 30, 36 picks. I think they're going to be very, very popular early round picks like the Jalen. Last year, you really couldn't win a league, especially a one quarterback league, if you still play those without Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Like you couldn't do it. Any league that I did well in, I had those guys at the front of the team, you know? And it's for a while, it's like, if you just come into fantasy, right? And you didn't understand any strategy or whatever, you, you'd kind of say, you know, why uh, wouldn't quarterbacks be the most... Um, why wouldn't quarterbacks be the most popular position in fantasy because they score the most points and More it's valuable. Easy. Yeah. And it's, yeah, exactly. Why, why aren't people taking them early? Why wouldn't they be the most valuable because they score the most points? And it's like, Oh, well they all score the most points, right? They all score a lot of points. So the differentiation between them is not very high, but now we have QB scoring an insane amount of points and the top ones are scoring so much more than yep. the mid-tier ones. So it's like people, I think people recognize that. I think there will be a lot of sharp people that are kind of like talking about that throughout the summer and that will become a very recognized thing. And then that will probably correct itself by next year where it's only like two or three guys. It's all the same shit. There's always like yeah. a cycle that everybody droves to. It doesn't happen that year because football is wildly unpredictable and then everyone moves to whatever the next trend mm -hmm. is. 100%, 100%. And if you see this chart, if you're watching on the show, it says, you know, consensus versus contrarian matrix. You know, if you're wrong and you're consensus, you get no return. If you're wrong and you're contrarian, there is no return. 
if you're contrarian and you're right, the returns on being right are outweigh the concern or the returns of being right if you're consensus because everybody else is going to get those returns. But if your thought process is different and you're right, that means they get nothing. And a lot of people yeah. get nothing and you get something. So it pays disproportionately to think independently. It's scary. You know, you're not going to get the pat on the back from a lot of people for a lot of stuff that you may think. But if you want to win fantasy football, and that's kind of my stick is I like for all the bullshit. It's like, I, I mean, I won the bash. Thanks for throwing it. That felt good. I'm speaking in new existence. I'm trying to win best ball mania this year. And I mean, I, I fucking know I can do it. You know what I mean? Like, I know I can win fantasy football. So it's like, that's, I try to just tell people like, this is how I view it when I get it. Hopefully you're with me and ride with me and we can all get it on that Josh Jacobs on that. I mean, I was early on Josh Allen. I mean, my, my history goes back to all the way to Tyreek Hill. I remember watching him as a rookie and I was like, Same. hold up. I was in on him early. Hell I was yeah. like, hold up. What's going on over here? People are like, oh, he's a, again, back to the ballers. He's only a big play guy. God damn that. That made me so much money. Them suppressing him into like the fifth round that year. He was like a wide receiver one. I was like, yeah, he can only catch deep. Yeah. Keep saying that. He's not any good. Yeah. Keep saying that. Um, be contrarian. If you want to win now, you're going to get outsized performances. Another one of my contrarian takes, and it's just, I think PFF has kind of just become over-indexed in fantasy analysis and player evaluations. Um, I've been doing a lot of research on PFF because I work for the Institute of Social Research at the University of Michigan, which is an academic, you know, data collection. It's the largest social data collection, you know, lab or institute in the world so like we do a lot of data analysis and collection and like scientifically so there are certain things that have thresholds that have to be met for something to be quality data and the reality is pff is it's a it's a premium data product it, you know they make stuff and just to kind of pinpoint that i looked this up the other day yards per route run is supposedly a proprietary metric but all it is is the number of routes a guy runs you divide it by the number of yards he had how is that proprietary exactly thank you and like look i don't i don't understand and so i'm just like we're all being hoodwinked so many people did bring it up as their little shield look at his pff this look at his pff that and i'm like it's a premium pseudo data information entertainment product that's what it is okay well, Do what, your what i think it is some of the stuff and i'm not saying it's bad I mean, it, it can be part of the conversation, but it's so over indexed it's to the point to where if you have a thought that if you say anything that that PFF can, it's like the I call it this. It's the ultimate trump card in fantasy. No matter what somebody says, if you pull out something in PFF that says that this player or this take is better than that person's, they always win. I will say this: Chat GPT has offered the ultimate trump card to all that bullshit. Because I asked Chat GPT recently about PFF and it said back everything i don't know if you saw the tweet it said back everything i've been saying about pff like there are definitely some red flags their data is a little bit hmm. that and again i watched the subtext the, the product is the value that they're asking us to pay for it is coming down you know it's you know a lot less people are using it um so i'm of i'm of the mind that it's over indexed i think it's going to be kind of gone as like a or not gone totally metamorphed into something different in the next well, three or five years. Here's, here's, I guess, the way I would look at PFF is, um, I actually have a lot of thoughts right now. I need to try to gather what direction I want to put this in. <laughs> yeah, be careful. You got a lot to lose. I ain't got nothing to lose. No, I got nothing to fucking lose. I just want to make sure I say it correctly because I think it's, uh, I think it makes, hopefully it makes sense. So no. PFF, like the reason I think they would call that proprietary is 
because for a long time they were probably the only company where they had mother like motherfuckers at scale sitting down what being like okay play one this guy ran a route route mm -hmm. route route like what company has the resources to hire someone to just stare at games and do that all the time so they were probably the first people to get people to sit there and actually calculate those stats therefore yeah. probably was proprietary data at the time but the way the world works now data especially data that's that easy that's not subjective yeah. at all is completely commoditized right so it's like once you have these almost like okay so pff grades right they want to say like it's objective it's like it's not objective at all there's a, literally a fucking person watching it and then choosing mm -hmm. what they want to grade it with pff acts as bumpers on a bowling alley in the same way that like dynasty trade calculators in a lot of in a lot exactly. of ways act as bumpers for people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about or people that Nine don't points. they're new to the game right and it's like it's like okay i've never played dynasty before should i trade christian mccaffrey for three first round picks and kenneth walker like i have no idea because for me i'm new to the game it's just a bunch of numbers and shit like i don't know what that really mm -hmm. means put in your trade calculator and it says okay this side or that side is massive dub so it's like maybe let's take a step back and think about it a little more clearly pff i think is the same way. like i would never cite pff like receiving grades or passing grades or anything like that but when you don't know like no one knows offensive line play like no one's sitting there watching o-line so i think it's helpful in the sense of like okay was the falcons o-line good and if so gives you were the good players on it and it's like okay this guy has a pff grade of we have like two of the top eight overall offensive linemen graded out in PFF's O-line ranking. And I'm like, okay, we have two really good guys, right? Their grade is probably telling me that they're good at maybe they're not actually the, the top fucking O-lineman in the league, but they're good, right? And that's why mm -hmm. our O-line is anchored with those two guys. So it gives you this um it gives you this 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 frame of reference. Content. It gives you a, a good point of reference for you not to sound like a complete fucking moron, but people take it as if it's gospel. And now what I think yeah. is the only if you're not subjective like if you're not creating your own data it, it, it's like with every industry where um if you can have something very big and objective like pff's grades and everyone can cite it at first but eventually people are going to start moving over to individual models right like instead of saying hey i want to get pff and then i look at quarterback grades on their wide receiver grades on their running back grades on their tight end grades on there no 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 now instead of paying for pff i'm going to go to matt Harmon's reception perception for wide receivers i'm going to go to noah hills's running back data metrics that he made proprietary right yeah. it's the same way i've used this example so many times in content but when you started fitness right when fitness became a thing 40 50 80, 80 years ago you could do one of two things you can make you could curl you can curl dumbbells or you can go for a run outside, right? Those are your two options. Now you walk down the street and there's a fucking goat yoga place. There's a place that you can do just roll. I'm serious, bro. In Brooklyn, they got people doing yoga. And they put goats on top of you. You can go to just like a specific rowing place. You could do jujitsu. And I'm like, uh -huh. this is the way that every industry works. You have one player who's the first to the market therefore mm -hmm. they monopolize it and shout out to pff because they did it well like you could get yep. first market and then not do shit with it they decided to do shit with it and became a main staple of the industry for a long time but with every market a player gets there and then you start to niche down you start to niche down and you become the guy that people go to for these very specific things rather than being like oh, i'll pay this huge price for you know not as much focus on all these little things i'd rather just pay the 20 dollars fucking a month or 20 dollars a year to get access to someone who's only cares about running backs or defensive players or wide receivers etc and that's what i think pff is coming probably around to and what the yeah. future of it really is
and that's the thing. I think they themselves are coming around to it. But it's just, I brought it up because right now in a normal conversation with somebody not as thoughtful and insightful as you, they could never articulate thoughts like that, to, uh, even close to objectively about PFF. Because so many people rely on PFF to crutch around on their takes and on what they see because they don't, like you said, they don't really filter it through. And that's kind of what you were saying, you know, looking at Noah's stuff, looking at Matt's stuff. He takes stuff that PFF says but he filters it through his own eyes, through his own thoughts, through his own processes, through his own experience. And then he gives you, and that's what people want. What do you think about this player? Taking that into context. Like I said, what I brought up is too many people will just take the PFF and they'll drop that in as the argument, or that's what I see, or they'll use that to frame up or prop up a player. And I just want to let people know that that is not fantasy football that's not how you should be viewing your fantasy football on either side of the ball if somebody starts talking about pff and uses that to prop up or hold down a player especially when they start doing things like putting like these arbitrary thresholds of minimums this and you know fourth downs that that's 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 called content masturbation that's what i call it it's not helpful to anybody but the person putting it out they feel some type of way about it and we just move on and they think they're being super helpful and that people are super into it. Bruh, nobody's feeling that. Um, stop, stop lying to people out here. So another, you know, start throwing fruit at me. TDs matter, guys. <laughs> I think touchdowns matter. I think the number of uh, the ceiling a touchdown uh, player has is something to look at. I think it tells you a lot about how, uh, you know, their red zone targets. You know, if you have a lot of touchdowns, you'll probably have a lot of targets. That tells you how teams view them, how coaches view them, how quarterbacks view them. Or you can look at things like, okay, were they long distance touchdowns? You can learn a lot about a player, not just by how many touchdowns he has, why he has these touchdowns. Is he a tight end? You know, is he a tight end that's going for yards? And then suddenly we put in another guy down at the red zone. You know, pay attention to these things because touchdowns matter. And I think they need to be, they're often hand waved in fantasy arguments, just like PFF, you know, grades and stuff like that are propped up. And I'm like, no, nah, I mean, there's a lot that this is the most meaningful play in football. Like this is the entire objective of everyone on the field, offense and defense. Defense is trying to get the ball back. Yeah, but not they don't want to hand it back to the quarterback. They want to scoop and score that mofo. I mean, they want to, you know, they want Nick Bolton. They want to Derwin James, that shit. They don't want to hand it back to their quarterback. They're trying to take it to their end zone. But if they can't do it, then it goes to the offense. That's what everybody's trying to do. So I don't know why it's been so hand-waved because maybe it's so you can't project it. Great. I don't need you to project it. I need you to give me, like you said, context. Filter somebody else's projections. I love taking Mike Clay's numbers because they're so boring and right in the middle. And I'm like, this is what I agree with. And I'm like, this is where I think it'll be more and less. And it's nobody can really attack those because it's like, they're exactly right down the middle. So that's yeah. where you get that filtration point where it's like, I see it a little different. You know, I'm a little more bullish on T. Higgins. Well, Jamar Chase is fully healthy. I didn't say T. Higgins but, was going to be Joe the, Burrow, wide, the wide receiver. Joe Burrow's ceiling, yeah, Joe Burrow's ceiling is throwing 48 yeah. touchdowns this year. I just don't think he's going to go down, y'all. Yeah. I don't mean, like, don't be thinking that T. Higgins ain't worth picking in a draft just because Jamar Chase is healthy. Like, don't be talking yourself out of stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you know, so that's – um. Whew, got me all hot and bothered over here. Jeez Louise. TDs matter, guys. What do you got? You, come at me. Tell me TDs don't matter, Nick. No, man. I'm, I mean, uh, I'd feel like a crazy person. You'd have to shut off the stream if I said that. But <laughs> I think I think what you said is correct in the sense that, like, it's one of those things that's probably harder to predict than most things that we look at. Therefore, people would like to just bucket it 
away and just mm-hmm. say like, I can't really figure it out. So therefore I'm not even going to argue about it. Whereas you know. we have so many of these stats where like, that's, that's timeout. That's what everybody does with IDP too. Just FYI. All right. Sorry. I had to interrupt you there. Go ahead. No, so I mean, stats. it's very, it's very fair because like the way that the NFL is focused nowadays, it's very offensive focus and the way the statistics are promoted is very offensive. Promotion. Yeah, advertising, marketing. There's nothing not happening. You're just not consuming something that's telling you to consume something else yet. That's what I'm telling people is like, you don't get it. Like you're already watching it. You're already engaging with it. And once somebody more articulate, more well-dressed than me and, you know, could pull some levers realizes that there's going to have to sprinkle a little money in there. The infrastructure is built. You know what I mean? So, and I I had a couple of conversations recently with some people, again, much more smart, well-funded, articulate than me. And they flat out asked me like, what's up? Why don't people like defensive fantasy football? I'm like, cause I'm the face of fucking defensive fantasy football. All right. I'm like, you're looking at the bet. And like, that's why you're talking to me. We got to fix this. (laughs) I was like, I'm fine being here, but I think I've hit my ceiling. So um, it's coming. Um, But anyway, I had to throw my, throw my IDP heads out there. I'm sure we got some faithfuls hanging in the chat. So love y'all appreciate y'all. But uh, anyway, back to what you're saying, Nick TDs and all that. And just like scoring. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's, it's tough to predict like in the end people therefore just kind of throw it out, but it's another tool where it's like, when you look at a player, you don't just blanket a player. You don't just say like, I dislike this player. I like this player. It's like, again, T Higgins. Yeah, maybe he ends up being like a boring fucking wide receiver 16 for the rest of his career, but we pretty much know Joe Burrow is going to have some wild career years, and there's just no chance that he's not a big part of that. So it's like, maybe I can't predict when the big Higgins year is coming, but there's going to be a year when Jamar Chase is the wide receiver one overall, and T. Higgins is probably like the wide receiver five or six, and you'll probably be able to draft T. Higgins at wide receiver 13, 14 every single year. He's not going to finish that much lower than there, but his mm-hmm. touchdown ceiling could be 15 touchdowns in a year, and it'll probably happen. And they're on your team when that happens. Exactly. So, like, touchdowns matter, of course. It's just the fact that people don't really know when they're coming. And I think I think that's kind of warranted, but I also think we have the, the, the bare bones of most, like, most touchdowns, right? Like, I would say, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I would say 85% of running back touchdowns probably come within the five-yard line, right? Like, yeah, it's nice to have touchdowns that come from 70 yards out, 50 yards out, but 90% of them are coming from very, very close. Therefore, it's very easy to look at, hey, this offense is a great scoring offense. Therefore, they will likely have more goal line opportunities. They will likely have more red zone opportunities. They will likely score more points. Therefore, their running back can be shit and still have a higher touchdown ceiling than a great, talented running back in a shit offense. I have a perfect, and you're, 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 we're, we're vibing right now, because Jamal Williams, like you said, the, the Lions, think about this. And when I say think about the touchdowns and the carries, people think, oh, Jamal Williams, and there's like, well, he caught those, he did those touchdowns and he's gone now, so it doesn't mean anything. And they just push it out of their mind. Here's what I see I see a quarterback in Jared Goff who surprised a fuck ton of people who brought his offense down the field a lot of times and put them in a spot where someone like Jamal Williams is leading the league in red zone touches and touchdowns. I mean, and so now he's gone. So other people are just like, they just start indexing everything else. Jared Goff's ceiling has not been realized yet. And I don't think enough people remember it can really index that as a reality. We saw him, be good this last year. And I mean, I'm, I, I hate, I've said this on the channel before. I've never been a Jared Goff guy. He's a fucking weirdo nerd, whatever. But he's better now than people want to give him credit for. Much like Kirk Cousins 
And again, that's when I'm coming in. So what do I see? I see a guy who was good last year, who's getting drafted almost exactly where he was last year, maybe even a little lower, who could, what if he, what if he throws, you know, four or five more of those touchdowns and has the exact same, but he gets Jameson Williams. The defense is better. And it's just like, that's what yeah. I see. So where do I get all this? It came from the touchdowns of Jamal Williams. That's one of the pieces that puts me into that mindset. And it's another piece of my argument and how I view my quarterbacks going forward in this year. So that's kind of why I don't want to say like just a player's touchdowns don't matter, but I think that removing them from the conversation, like you said, is doing everyone a disservice because you can take information like that and you can reverse engineer it and find pieces of narratives that may or may not exist that you can play into. And that's something that I plan on doing this year. Again, Jamal Williams led the league in red zone carries. Who got them down there? That wasn't a prolific offense, but who got the ball down there without turning it over all the time, gave him those opportunities. And what if he gets stuffed? Half of those could have been like one yard. Jared Goff goes for it. We don't know. And what's his name? The coach up there? That dude's a hoss. He loves Jared Goff. He loves Jared Goff. Like he wants to win. He's the type of guy that wants to win with Jared Goff. Let me ask you like. So you're in on like, you'll be in on David Montgomery this year then? Yes. I'm in on all of them because I think that offense functions well and they're in games competitively um yeah i mean i'm not gonna all of them. i don't think and when i say that guy doesn't have to finish top six for me to, to be valuable for fantasy y'all like david montgomery even if he's a running back three this year or you know or on your team or whatever i don't know where his adp and stuff is he's gonna be valued just like antonio gibson just like brian robinson like they're not flashy names but there will be games that these guys run into the end zone and if they're on your team that's points for you. It's not points against you. And it's not points on somebody else's bench. Like that shit matters. You got to see it before it happens. Everybody loves to talk about shit the week after. Oh, so-and-so's price is up big this week. Great. You missed it. Like <laughs> you missed it. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we doing out here? You got to see it before it happens. You got to speak it into existence, Nick. Manifest some shit, bro. Give me something. Um, Baker we- Mayfield, how many touchdowns this year? Baker? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like Baker this year, man. I kind of like him going to Tampa Bay. I think he's got some good weapons over there. Uh, he has to beat out Kyle Trask. Ain't no fucking way he loses the job to Kyle Trask. Um, yeah, give no me, way. Uh, give me... Mm, I want to go 25. I think that's a little too high. I'll say 20. 20. 20? There you go. I was going to say 21. I felt like that was a little heavy, but yeah, 20. And it can, and again, I like that line because I could see it going up a good bit. I could see it also going down a little bit too. So, um, all right. My other contrarian advice, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you want to, we can move on from that. Man, I had this whole thing on psychological warfare and we've already pushed <laughs> into an hour, but I do want to give my man, uh, what about Bob heads out there? A little love. One of the best movies ever. Um, if you have not watched it, stop everything you're doing right now and go watch. What about Bob? All right. Nick won't do it. Man. Nick doesn't believe in uh, pop culture as as a uh, part of the narrative. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I am pop culture, sir. There it is. There it is. Iconic. We. You're the Jamie. You're the Jamie. You, I can't even give you a Ted Lasso reference because you probably won't get it. That's not. I've seen Ted Lasso. I love. Okay, Ted Jamie Tart. You know. You know. Get you an icon hat. You know. Get you yeah, but Jamie Tart's like. Jamie Tart is a Tart, dude. Jamie Tart is not a, a thing going on in his brain. <laughs> but he's a beast at what he does. I sure. Mean, that's nothing wrong with that. Is that that's how you nothing look at wrong me? with being so focused and being so elite at what you do that you kind of suck at everything else. I mean, that's okay. an actualized ace person, right? I mean, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Don't hold it against Jamie. He looks good in that underwear. All right. Dynasty format, or I got future formats. I had a couple of questions. I'm going to keep you here for just a minute. Um, 
landscape of fantasy football platforms. I've been calling it for a while. We're seeing kind of people move to Sleeper. We're seeing people play on different platforms. We are seeing platforms fall, you know, platforms funded by money and not actual consumers. Um, you know, the, we're, the economy is obviously playing into this. But what do you think the future of the fantasy platform landscape looks like? And I'll just caveat that to get you out of here quickly. Um, uh, what do you think about the BDGE app? You're getting a little harassment in the in the Discord about that. And you're like, I don't want to do it. But anybody that's actually watching your content going back a few years knows that you you planted that seed in our minds, I think, at one point or another in the past. So curious what the, uh, you know, just got a little alpha for the people out here. What's up? How you doing? Yes. Yeah, so um, I guess my first thought is I don't think people actually realize just how big of a head start sleeper has on like dominating this space like in multiple perspectives like you know you're saying you've seen a lot of people start to flock to it it's just like anyone who's like any even remotely serious about sleeper it, it, the 11 people who aren't serious about sleeper that have one dude or uh about fantasy that has one dude that's serious about it in their league is moving over to sleeper and the problem with like not the problem but we're gonna see them just dominate it's one of those like domino effects where it's like okay they're doing well they're starting to get a, a foothold they're moving up more users, more users. There's going to be a year where it's just like everything is sleeper, where everything comes together because there's no other platform that now can catch up to where they are. There's because they've got the funding and they were building their app with developers and building a team and a chemistry within their company for years prior to hitting this success. So if a company said, oh, there's a gap in the marketplace right now to build a good fantasy platform, you're fucking eight years behind Sleeper already. Sleeper <laughs> didn't just become popular last year. Like they've been building for eight years. It'd be like if someone tried to get on YouTube and like, I could do what Jordan does better. I could do what Nick does better. It's like, yeah, maybe, but it doesn't fucking matter because you're eight years late to the process. You know what I mean? And I think they have such a strong foothold that they listen to their consumers, which is a problem that fucking 95% and percent of companies, people, brands, everything. Yeah. Um, yeah do and i think they're just i think we'll just continue to see people move over to there because it's really not their product it's our product i talk to the product team and i'll be like this is what you should be doing this is the direction i think fantasy is going and then within fucking two months three months they've built out a new product they've built out a new template for things and i'm like listen if you're building out a product for consumers and you're not for yourselves then consumers are going to come to it because it's their fucking product you know what i mean like it, it makes no sense and mm -hmm. no other big company cares enough about it but they'll see that the majority of their engagement the majority of the success within their products a lot of like the football fans today and engagement within football itself comes from fantasy and that will only continue to get more and more popular so i'm a huge fan of the sleeper app obviously there's a million things that i think they could do differently or i think they could do better but that's one subjective opinion um overall i think they're just dominating the space and they're growing very very quickly and I like if a new fantasy platform comes to me tomorrow, I'm not I'm probably not going to give them the time of the day. Why would I? They haven't earned any trust for me. Right. And that's how yeah. in today's space, like you look at underdog, you look at prize picks, you look at sleeper. They grow from content, create like popular brands and content creators talking about their product and talking about their platform. And mm -hmm. if you have no trust, if I have no trust with a product or a platform. And they're like, Nick, I want you to promote this shit. Like, I'm not gonna, like, why would I do that? It would, it takes yep. a long time to build that trust for me to want to promote something uh, product-wise on our platform. Um, I don't even remember what the fucking questions were. Well, we were talking about the BDGE app, but you brought up Sleeper and I want to bring that up. Like, the, I, I like what you're saying where eventually it's not going to be, you know, NFL fantasy, ESPN fantasy, MFL fantasy. Eventually it'll be Sleeper fantasy and that it already is. And 
Uh, I'll close it off with this, you know, again, as an IDP person, you know, I, there's a reason that I, like you said, that I really like sleeper and I play all exclusively on sleeper, except for industry crap that I kind of have to do mm-hmm. is because they care about their product. When I was getting into the IDP space, the big problem in IDP that everyone said the hurdle was there's no unified scoring system that is anyone uses. So I created one and I branded it. And then I took it a step further. I was like, okay, now I've branded it, but you know how petty people are in the content creation space. You know, it's well me or this or whatever. It's hard to get people to really be supportive of one another. It's easy to say you're supportive of each other. It's a lot harder to get people to actually support you. So I kind of circumvented that whole part of it. And I just started talking to sleeper and saying, I noticed there's no IDP default scoring. I was like, and I sent them all this information of all these people that said, this is an issue. And I said, look, I did all this research. You should set this up. And they literally listened to me. I talked to them for months. I talked to many people there. And after a while, I gained enough trust with them and they did it. And that was before Sleeper was cool. That was whenever, even when I was doing that, people were like, oh, they'll never talk to you. People are so defeatist out here. I'm like, it's not hard. You just got to put in the work. You got to gain people's trust. You got to send those DMs. You got to send those emails. You have to have an articulate thought. You have to have a vision for what you want to do. Explain it to somebody and see if they can execute it or not. And if other people believe it's valuable. They did. And that was a huge, like, awesome to me. Unfortunately, again, uh, like I said, we're kind of enigmas in the fantasy space. So instead of a great tailwind coming behind me from the IDP community about this wonderful thing I did, they all were like, well, we're going to make our own scoring system now because we're all fucking lame. And I was like, okay, great. That's cool. Well, you're too late because Sleeper and now like Sleeper is fucking huge. And I'm like, I did that. Like, if you open up and go to their default scoring system, what you see there is my brainchild. I created it. So, it, like you said, it's it's it's. I'm doing my part out here on a lot of different levels. Sleeper, I identified them two three years ago as the platform's coming, and I'm glad that you kind of see that. And it's even more encouraging that like you're like I'm all in on it. That's where I am too. And it's just like if somebody wants me to play fantasy and they're not playing on Sleeper, I'm like, look, I'm just not doing it. You yeah, know what I'm, I'm not like emotionally attached to the to to their app whatsoever they literally just put out the best product by far exactly that's gonna win and and people complain about stuff and it's first world problems and then they fix it and i'm like we've been asking i'm when i open espn which i never do it's the same app it was in 2015. what the heck is going on over here like what are we doing you know what i mean what are we doing um yeah that makes sense None of them, yeah, none of them want to do anything. They just figure like, oh, we we're privileged because we're the first people here. It's like that's not how the modern day works. Legacy, not with technology, dude. So, um, yeah, that it's crazy nonsense what's happening in this industry, and I just don't realize. I don't think people realize just how much of a gold mine it is. Um, with the yeah, app, and that's what I'm trying to say, bro. Half of it, half the players on the screen, y'all ain't getting no dollar bills from out here. Come on now, <laughs> come on now. Yes, it's a thing. I'm just saying. Uh, Again, we gotta get, we gotta replace this face. Huh? This is a face only a mother could love. We gotta get Ray GQ up in the booth. You know what I'm saying? He actually told me he's been playing some IDP. I'm like, you don't tell me. I'm gonna tell your people. <laughs> I don't know that. Um, yeah, right, I ain't got much else to say, so I'll let you close out with your final thoughts are, and then I'll give the people a spiel and we'll roll out. I know you got a lot of work to do today. You're a busy man. I got a, I, I'm looking at a couch right there. I'm about to go fall the fuck asleep ASAP. Um, I, I got nothing else to leave, man. I, I got nothing but love for you, Jordan. Um, you're definitely like a part of our community now and hopefully vice versa. I'm in here with you. Although I don't play IDP Army, I'll always uh, support you as a creator, man. I always respect what you're doing out here. It's hard to put yourself out there day in and day out with no promise of like of what's to come. So um, I, I just resonate with people like that. So thank you for bringing me on, man. It was, it was a pleasure. I had a lot of fun.
Absolutely. Shout out to the BDGE community. Shout out to everybody that hangs in the discords over there. All the love I've gotten from them. Um, until next time, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed and we will be back later this week. You know what it is. We grind over here. So uh, adios, IDP Army.